Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Here was Nick Casario at his press conference on... Uh, Monday, talking about uh, Lovey Smith and the uh, the firing of Lovey Smith. Time to move on from the head coach. You know, before we move forward, I think it's important for for myself. I know Cal has mentioned it to acknowledge uh, the contributions and leadership that Lovey provided this program over the past two seasons in a variety of different roles. So, a lot of respect and appreciation, and admiration for Lovey as a person, what he did for our team, what he's done for a lot of people in our building. He had a very positive impact on a lot of different people. In the end, after careful, thoughtful research and evaluation of our program we felt i felt that this was the best decision for our program moving forward all right so that was that was nick and that's his decision you can hear him at the end there we felt and then he corrected himself i felt maybe he was supplementing that the we with the i but uh nick casario and the texans moving on from lovey smith said i think if we're just going back through lovey smith because there there's certainly plenty of people out there that are upset that the texans um Moved on from Lovey Smith. I feel like most of them are outside of Houston, and I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm, I like. I feel like similar to David Cully, similar, not identical, but similar to David Cully. A lot of the national people are looking at this as, um, hey, this guy was handed not much material to work with. Hey, yeah. he won three games. You know, hey, he won three games, and they were competitive. Look at look at the final scores of most of their games here. That's a pretty competitive football team. These are largely people who didn't watch a single down of Texans football all season long. They're just looking at the Texans' scores on their schedule. Um, But I do feel like the reaction outside of Houston, more so than in Houston, has been that Lovey Smith, Lovey Smith got a raw deal in some way. Well, I think that there's, um, it's interesting. There's kind of a dividing line in, in you know, and and honestly, there's room for the racial discussion with either side of this dividing line. But I think that I think that people in Houston. If they're upset on racial bounds, have a different perspective from people outside of Houston who kind of have a knee-jerk reaction. Outside the city of Houston, people are saying, how could you fire Lovey Smith? Inside the city of Houston, people are saying, 
How could you hire Lovey Smith? How could you hire David Culley? How did that happen? And then it's, okay, are you hiring a black coach just because it checks off a box and you know it's a lost season? You know, there's a, there's a racial discussion to be had there, but it's just different than the flyby that people are doing from, from outside the city. As far as, though, I think the, the people that are upset just in general for about the whole situation in Houston, it's how did you hire these guys? Why was it like this? You know, you must be held accountable for this. Outside the city of Houston, it's uh, I can't believe you fired two guys who actually weren't good at football. Right. It's um because I and I feel like amongst our listeners and amongst Texans fans and everything, I feel like it's pretty balanced um, as far as like. Black, white, Hispanic, anything like people in most Texans fans didn't think Lovey Smith was the answer moving forward. But yeah. all the processes that led to the hire of him—that's a—that's a whole quagmire of different uh, discussions. Yeah, you get into. yeah, ab- no, absolutely. Um, I, you know, that I to me it just boils down to, and we'll get into the details here in a second. But like, you know, ask the question when someone gets fired, just ask the question: Were they good at their job? And forget about all the, well, he was handed this and this was the roster. Was he good at his job? And I think the answer with Lovey Smith was, by and large, was the answer was no. And so as soon as you're not good at your job, you expose yourself to the possibility of being let go at whatever it is that you do. That's business. That's the way it works. As far as us seeing this coming, and when did it start to feel to me, Seth, like this is what's going to happen with Lovey Smith? There were a handful of things. The first was the decision to... It happened in week one. The decision to go for the tie in week one was... Semi-win. Okay. The decision to go for a semi-win in week one was... That wasn't a fireable offense, but I will say it felt like a bit of a warning sign as to maybe Lovey's nature when it came to, you know, Lovey maybe living more in the 90s than living here in the 2020s, you know? Um, You know, going, like, conservatively, and especially looking at the team that he had, realistically, and saying, boy... We got to get this tie because that may be the difference between us being in the postseason or not. You got it right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which again, though, I think some of that, both in the beginning and the end of the season, I think there is a disconnect between people that are looking at it from a different perspective than a coach on the field. Um, where I don't know if the coach, the coach isn't necessarily handicapping his team's chances of the playoffs yeah. in general. Uh, you know, he's. I think if he was, I think what he probably was thinking: Hey, if we do make the playoffs it'd be likely come down to a hair's width of, of some kind of difference. So maybe go for the tie right now. Um, not to mention, remember that people keep getting this wrong, Sean. People keep comparing the decision-making in the last game to the decision-making in the first game. Because somebody yesterday said, well, you know, in the first game of the season, Lovey went for the – he went for two uh, because he uh, – no, in the first game of the season, uh, he – he kicked the extra point just to go for a tie instead of going for two. I'm like, what are you talking about? No. In the first game of the season, it was at the end of overtime. There was no time left, and the Texans punted and almost guaranteed a tie at that point. Versus this year, at the end of the, this game, Lovey had been trying to win all game long, which I, nobody seemed to have an issue with that. Um, the Texans blew a big lead, but then at the very end of the game, when he was still trying to win, somehow that became an, uh, a bleep you, uh, where if they had kicked the extra point, they would have gone into overtime. There was still 12 more minutes of football to play, yeah. presumably after which Lovey would keep trying to win the game. So I don't, I don't understand all of that, but you're right. The going for the tie, he got started off on the wrong foot. The same way Nathaniel Hackett got off on the wrong foot in Denver by – by letting 36 seconds run off the clock so they could attempt a 64-yard field goal. Yep, yep. 
Number two, the Rex Burkhead fetish. That frustrated the hell out of everybody. And then maybe that was Pep, but Pep was Lovey's guy. The decision, the decisions Pep makes and Pep's performance are on Lovey's ticket. Yeah. You know, so the the I mean, if if Lovey's a head coach, he could have stepped in, and and I think eventually he did because Rex got a, a whole lot fewer touches. But there was still yeah. the weird Rex Burkhead targets on third down thing that went all season long. That was the thing, okay? Because okay, first of all, Casario. You know, is responsible for that too. The running back roster was what it was, yeah. And the coach is going to play who's on the field. So it's been curious for a couple of years now, uh, before even Casario got here, with the running back composition. There's always just one decrepit veteran on the on the depth chart, at least. Um, so I guess the 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 question is the usage of him. Yeah, it's one thing if you want to just spread the the carries and the touches out, but yes. Rex Burkhead continuing to be the guy that was the go-to on third down um, or in the red zone at various times. It just it was it was the oddest thing because yeah. he never showed any evidence at all of being able to run after the catch, and they would continue to throw to him five yards shy of the sticks and, and hope that something nice might happen. Seth, literally till the bitter end, the play before the Hail Mary against Indianapolis yeah. was a one-yard gain to Rex Burkhead in the flat on third and 13. Like, that's... Yeah. Like, it was, or that... No, sorry, that was the play before the Brandon Cooks catch on fourth down. But still, on the final drive of the season, they're still targeting Rex Burkhead on third down. I'm going to combo these two, number three and four, on the reasons why, in retrospect, Lovey's not here anymore. The horrific stretch of run defense which I guess we can just call the entire season. But there was a particularly bad stretch that kind of started with the Bears getting 300 yards rushing in week three and yeah. extended through, like, passed through the bye week with the Titans and, yeah. and, and with the Giants and Saquon Barkley and so forth. And then the horrific stretch of first-half offense coming out of the bye week where over a five-week period they had four games with under 100 yards of total offense in the first half Three of those games, they had under 40 yards of total offense in the first half. And in one of those games, they had five yards of offense in the first half. Those, those two stretches Which, of, just horrific, of just horrific football from yeah. entire units of your team are just unacceptable. Which game was the five yards? I think it was Washington, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I'd have to go back gosh. and look. Yeah, the run defense was uh, the the worst thing about the run defense for me was when I realized how beaten down people were yeah. by watching bad football. That after the I think it was the Dolphins game where the Texans allowed over 160 yards of rushing, and people afterwards were saying the run defense looks improved. Yeah, um, that was, and it was really only it, that was only because Mike McDaniel just decided he wasn't going to run the ball that day. Yeah, he just decided to keep getting. That was the beginning of the end. By the way, everybody. If you want something to hang your hat on, that was the beginning of the end for Tua Tungavailoa. When he got sacked three times at the beginning of that uh, second half and Mike McDaniel took him out of the game because he idiotically kept passing, he, w- he was awful after that. They were a miserable football team after that. He was completing about 52% of his passes after that. It was, uh, it was really, really bad. Yep. So good job, Texans. Yep, yep. Texans pass rush, which was actually respectable this year. Ruined Tua Tungavailoa. Um, number five for Lovey. I'm going back. We're going back through the the reasons why Lovey Smith ultimately um, was cut loose from his job. All the ones we brought up so far are on the field stuff. I do wonder kind of how his snippy handling of things like the quarterback change 
from Mills to Allen um, affected. I that's more of a public relations thing, I think, than an obviously than an on field thing. Like you know, there's nothing in the standings that there's no column in the standings for how your coach handles press conferences. But I think it was very telling. I think it was the Miami game. I think it was very telling that Cal McNair showed up at one of Lovey Smith's post game press conferences during that horrible, horrible stretch of football. Oh, you uh, think so? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I do. That, that he showed up and stood in the back, reportedly stood in the back of the room when Lovey Smith was really at his, he was at his rock bottom in terms of handling the media, being very uh-huh. snarky and condescending and sarcastic. And I'm not saying that's why you go and fire the guy, but I'm telling you when you're 313-1, it don't help. He was like, hey, man, you, you signed on for this and uh, contributed to it. So, yeah, let's not, let's not go all... Bill O'Brien. Yeah, you're no, you're three. You're, 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 you're three. You're the at the time the worst team in football, and you're playing in yeah. empty stadiums at home. You yeah. can't have a coach who's turning people off. Sean, well, that was another thing too. Another uh, another thing where I saw the detrimental effects on the psychological health of the fan base. I, I saw various intelligent football fans gloating about how they were right about Davis Mills being better than um, being better than Kyle Allen. After Kyle Allen was benched again, like no, it, nobody nobody thought Kyle Allen was going to be good. They just figured five yards of offense in the first half. Yeah. you might as well try something different. Yes, it doesn't get any worse than it is right now. Or if it does, it doesn't. You can't even tell the difference. It's like the difference between 105 degrees and humid or 109 degrees and humid. Right, it all sucks. Right, right. So. That's what it was with Kyle Allen, with Davis Mills, whoever it was. It all sucked. Yep. So, or, or you could look at it from this perspective too. Uh, Davis Mills seems to be one of these special dudes who just actually needs to have his ass kicked to get motivated. Because two years in a row now, once he gets his ass kicked and realizes, like, oh, I guess I'm not in Stanford anymore. They expect performance out of mm-hmm. me. <laughs> Henceforth, mm-hmm. I shall deliver more effort onto the football mm-hmm. field. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to tell you another thing too. I don't trust, you know what, anymore? Mm. I don't trust a dude who's a five-star recruit, top quarterback recruit who decides to go to Stanford instead of, um, you know, an Alabama or someplace like that just because it's a better education. You can go get your, you know what, you can go get your education when you're done making millions of dollars and winning Super Bowls, okay? Yeah, you can get a fine education at Alabama and then go get your master's degree at Stanford or something. Is this a corollary? Is this a corollary of your theory that your quarterbacks and your head coaches need the least amount of perspective on life? Yes. Is this a flavor of that? Yeah, okay. Now, the last person I want is a well-rounded individual as my quarterback. Look at what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. He's got perspective on life, and now he sucks. It's the worst thing that can happen to a young athlete. Who Who do you feel like is... Who do you feel like is worse well-rounded, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? Who's, oh, who's the lesser right. well-rounded of the two, do you think, from what we well, know of themselves? Well-rounded is different than having perspective. Like, oh, okay. I feel like Peyton Manning was well-rounded. But sometimes, see, they've got to be driven to achieve academically by okay. deep deep down demons too like they have to they have to like they have to they have to be trying to crush somebody then without without yeah. without categorizing semantics and so forth which of the two do you feel like as of right now it can change fits yeah. your profile better of a quarterback between those two i think bryce young would be more obsessive about it mm-hmm. yeah like i could see it taking over his life maybe more more so yeah but that's not i haven't done a deep dive on really getting to know a lot of the coaches in court like the actual personalities yet that's why so that's i caveat that it can change i'm just curious yeah, your perspective. yeah, yeah it's yeah, early yeah. Like, i get it yeah, yeah. and i know I, like that's my first impression but right. we'll see right i gotta see um yeah like people always used to i like honestly 
People used to criticize Aaron Rodgers for not talking to his family, and I'm like, that's awesome. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? This guy's warped in the brain. Of course, he's got something is driving him. He probably made amends with his family this last off season. Worst thing he could have done. That's Worst why thing they he went done. eight and nine. That's <laughs> why. Look at the great ones: Sean, yeah. Larry Bird, Michael Jordan. Tom Brady, right. you got to mess it up in your personal life a little bit if you want to be great. Right. My God, right, right. Albert Einstein. Yep. You know what, Albert? Go read the letter that Albert Einstein <laughs> wrote to his wife about expectations for their marriage. It was messed up. Stuff, really? Man. Okay. Messed up. Oh yeah. I've not heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Recommended reading from Seth. <laughs> like Payne. You're only allowed to talk to me a certain amount of time oh, per day God. and all this. Okay. It was, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I think he ditched his wife for his cousin or something. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I feel like there's a Tennessee joke coming, but anyways, it's a different time back then. Right, Einstein. Well, only time Einstein would have set foot in Tennessee was for the Manhattan Project, possibly. <laughs> uh, beyond that, they had to import all the all the brain talent for that that project. Last one, last one on Lovey on my autopsy of Lovey's firing. The back to back weeks where they just did unspeakable, unspeakable misdeeds at the goal line. When they had that series against the Browns where Damian yep. Pierce was healthy but not in the game, and they went, you know, they went four downs in goal line and Damian Pierce wasn't out there, their fourth down, gotta have it play, was a missile in the flat to Troy Hairston that got Troy uh, Hairston murdered from Kyle that's Allen. Right, he did, yeah. He got him murdered. Um, there was also the sequence on the goal line in da- with, Dallas uh, the following week. Yeah. That's was what that, I was gonna yeah, say. Bur- Oh, you were gonna say that. Yeah, yep. Burkhead on third and third and one. Yes. Burkhead got crushed. Yes. And then they ran a razzle dazzle like uh counter rollout. This is what it turned into at least. I don't know what they were intending yeah. to do. Yeah. Because everybody that was another thing about Pep Hamilton. There were at least three guys doing the exact opposite of what they were probably supposed to do on that play. It was really bad. His his razzle dazzle was more like, Oh razzle, I pooped my pants. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Doesn't even rhyme. Yeah. We're gonna split we're gonna split the offensive tackles out. Right. It'll fool everybody. Then we're gonna bring him back in. Somebody's gonna get a uh uh an illegal motion or an illegal procedure, and then we're uh, that that way we can just go ahead and punt. They yeah. had four downs to clinch the cowboy game, and two of them they put in Rex Burkhead's hands. And the other two they put in Driscoll's hands. Those are fireable offenses. I'm sorry. And I know Pierce was hurt at the time. He'd sprained his ankle. There's yeah. 10 other better options than those two clowns on the roster. Well, well Sean, and then, oh, gosh, uh, it's the second to last. It was last home game, wasn't it? When they, they, they ran the same play on third and one, third and one, and fourth and one, basically. They went to the same spot on the line three times in a row. Yeah. And the, the offensive line was getting destroyed. They got lucky on the first one. Um, and, and converted because of a bad spot. And then the offensive line kept getting destroyed, and Pep Hamilton kept going to back to the exact same spot. And Driscoll, Driscoll can't do a quarterback sneak. Why do they not Why do they not see that? One of the dumbest quarterbacks I've ever seen in terms of actually getting a quarterback sneak. Blind. Deaf, dumb, and blind. No offense to deaf, dumb, and blind people who actually probably can convert it there because, yeah. because unlike – Driscoll, who has no eyesight, those deaf, dumb, and blind people would right. have developed their other senses and sensed and smelled uh, and felt exactly where the hole was. Right. Not Jeff Driscoll. No nope. offense to these people who can't hear the show, but no offense to you. Right. Exactly. They can uh, read transcripts. That's true. Braille. That's true. They can do Braille. it faster than Driscoll can find a hole on a In Braille, state. yeah. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right. There was a quote from an opposing GM that I think made a lot of Texan fans nervous for the exact fear that they had in losing out on the number one overall pick we will hear from that gm next nick casario joins us bottom of the seven o'clock hour 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.